Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. It's time to talk about chocolate, which normally is a solid. I guess we can melt it into drink. I guess we can do that to anything, really. Someone stop Bob before he starts melting random stuff to drink. We're going to talk about the history of it and what you can do to drink more chocolate and why you should. So go get you some hot cocoa and have a drink. Bob, no, no, you can't drink melted plastic. You can't stop me! Where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hey guys. Hey, we're, we're we're back. This is this again. This is a regular schedule. It feels like. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just wait for it. Next weekend's gonna mess that up for us. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what uh, what do you guys been up to? Oh well, I brewed a. Uh... Did I talk about the Imperial Stout I brewed last week? Uh, I don't recall. Okay, yeah. So, there was discussion uh, in the Discord. Ah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yes. Um, this past week, I uh, was able to brew a uh, an Imperial Stout. Got that uh, taken care of so that I could um, just start getting some higher alcohol stuff produced out and see if I could make some more stuff. I did two double IPAs back-to-back, and so hopefully I could get this, this stout and I made enough to where I could potentially do like from this initial fermentation of five gallons, break it off into five, one gallon batches and do like a, a chocolate aged mm-hmm. and then a, a chili aged and a vanilla aged and, you know, coffee aged and then go back and blend very similar to the bomb, how that's done. But uh, just go back and try to reblend and, and work it out with uh, each of these flavors. I've already got my chilies picked out. So, mm excited about now, that. Now, do you do you what do you set the blender on for that? Like <laughs> pulse? Oh, okay. Maybe uh, you could try dumping some in whatever you want to call that barrel that you've ended up oh, with yeah. what we did to it. I'll need to throw a little uh throw a little wet back into it a little bit yeah. so it it'll get a good um you know, all the sealed all the edges sealed up and everything. But yeah, that uh, I've got that sitting out ready to go. Hmm. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, I've been sick. I'm sure my voice. For that. Yeah, it's like I'm sure my voice sounds like uh, like the the stuff of angels. Uh, I re- I actually can't tell. Like you don't sound horrible. I'm I'm doing better today than I was. I had to leave work. Uh, oh jeez. A couple days ago, because 
I woke up feeling kind of bad, and I was like, uh, you know what? It's fine. It's too late for me to try to call in. I'll just I can power through this. It's fine. Part way through the day, I'm like making ridiculously dumb mistakes. You're like, like I'm, I'm just like I'm no longer here anyway. <laughs> I, I just looked. At, I was like, guys, I can't be trusted. <laughs> I'm going home. And they're like, okay. I just, I just gave that man three million dollars. <laughs> <sighs> you know, not quite that bad, but. It could have been. Could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Decimal, so decimal in the wrong place loses someone a lot of money. My yeah. My mom has a sinus infection, and she. You sound much better than she does. <laughs> she sounds horrendous. Well, mine would have been like percolating for like a week. Mm. Like I thought I had it like last week, and I was starting to come down with something. But I was like, "That's fine. I got a little bit of medicine. I was okay." And then just one like one morning, I just went. Kum! I feel everything in one side of my face just close up and. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, oh, so all I've been drinking has been NyQuil for the last few days. Mm. Fair enough. Tasty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got out of the house today, so that was that was basically my biggest achievement. <laughs> uh, what about you guys? Um, we slept. We, yeah, great. it's been a pretty exciting day. <laughs> like, I got to go back. Ba- like, we just, the, the past week has been nuts because of his work schedule. Uh, but you know the and weekend finally balancing came the baby and yeah uh, so we've been taking shifts and we've each had about four hours of sleep each night roughly nice. um that's not i don't know it, if if you can actually get to sleep around that time um <laughs> to say that it's a full four hours you're given a four-hour block yeah what uh, you do with your four-hour block <laughs> is up to you and last night we decided well, we'll do an alternating thing. So like every other feeding, one of us will get up and mm. and take care of, of the baby. Well, I must have been sleepy because I don't remember him ever getting up. And I even woke him up at like, what was it, like nine? And I'm like, it's your turn. And he's like, I did 530. And I was like, damn it. He's <laughs> like, where was I? So we got sleep, which is exciting. <laughs> um, and he's... As, it's... Beyond that, he didn't let us... Uh, well, he didn't want us to get a ton done today because he uh, has decided um, he didn't want to be alone. <laughs> so one of us had to be holding him almost even, all the time. Even if he was asleep and you went to go, like, I'm going to put you in your bed and you got to lay him in there. My theory is whenever his butt or your butt touches something, he's going to immediately snap awake. <laughs> That's just how it works. You can get him in the bed and be like, all right, I'm good, I'm good, I'm going to go lay down. As soon as your ass hits the mattress, he snaps awake. Yeah. He Sometimes when I carry, like, as I'm walking him into the bedroom, his eyes just pop open. Like, he knows that he's going there. And I'm like, don't <laughs> he's fight like, sleep. I did, he's like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> no. Yeah, but he's he's being good right now. Fingers crossed. Um, but I, I went ahead and put on my, my mommy wrap thing, uh, just in case he <laughs> loses it during the show. Because I can just, like, this, this thing has been amazing. Uh, Casey, your wife is going to have to get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> so you need a sturdy one that'll hold both of them. True. Oh yeah. But like you can you can seriously get other things done while the child is just hanging on you. Sleeping. If you just strap him to your chest, then yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Is it like the? Because I haven't got the the video pulled up. Is it like the? It sort of it wraps around you yeah. and it yeah. almost makes a little papoose type thing. Exactly. Yep. Oh yeah. I, I think have, we've got one picked out already. I had to watch a video on how to like pr- put it on properly and then how to get the baby in there, but like <laughs> It's like seven different ways or something. Yeah, but it's it's awesome. Uh, I like the way that you put them on your back and then you <laughs> take two privileged white guys throughout the Pacific Northwest. 
<laughs> it's you know it does feel close to that. <laughs> oh, All right, it well, makes it a whole lot easier to go into Whole Foods. <laughs> now you say that, yet our Christmas dinner is. Coming I'm going from whole to Whole Foods. Foods tomorrow to pick up Christmas dinner. So, and you may go, why? What you're you're getting Christmas dinner from Whole Foods because yes. we are stretched for time on in every aspect of our lives. So if we can offset that little part of it somewhere, then it's it's whatever. We're and gonna it's a buy a lot it. of food, and it's not really that expensive considering you know, like it's dollars and you get enough food to last like a week. Yeah. And it, I mean, we got this giant ham, so I'm excited. <laughs> Three hams will fill him. This ham will thrill me. Why don't you feed him? Three, Three hams. Ah, <clears throat> oh, the brat show. All right, that's anyway, enough of that. Anyway, so <laughs> announcements. <laughs> and uh, buckle in, because we've got a few. Um, so. Three hams? <laughs> and unfortunately, it's more than three four, announcements, though. Four, ha- five hams, five hams. <laughs> So, uh, the obvious stuff, so scheduling, our next episode is going to be Saturday, ch- December 29th. Yes, we're doing a normal episode br- prior to the New Year's Eve stuff. And then we're going to be talking about Absinthe. So that'll be interesting. Uh, oh, good. And we're... I'm sure we will also be referencing the Modern Rogue video <laughs> that just came out. Like It's like they have, like, they know they're in on our planning calls because we had yeah. this planned before their episode came up. And then suddenly we're yeah, like, but oh, that look. implies they had theirs planned before. But this no, it's not <laughs> yeah. the first time this has happened. Like we'll we'll have something in the works for quite a while because we plan out like a month or two in advance. And then they come out with a video on Manhattans and whatnot. We're and it's like, like what? oh, guess who? Was? And we're like, oh well, not that we were just planning such a thing. <laughs> uh yes. So uh, so there's that. Um, we'll, we'll all be uh, conversing with the Green Fairy. <laughs> Man, I'm. I don't. I, get I'm going to have things to say. Yeah, I. Mm. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. So, starting of the bigger announcements, Streamathon New Year's Eve. So, uh, we of course will be taking part again this year in uh, Diamond Club's New Year's Eve Streamathon. We did so, it last year. <laughs> yeah, you you might have missed some of that. Oh, I was uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. <laughs> you can't even like joke about that stuff anymore. I literally took a picture the other day, and my sister was like, "Oh, I love this picture," and I'm like. What picture? And <laughs> I, I, she's like this, like, and I look at it. I, I look at it like I've never seen the picture before. I took this picture, or how? No, she's <laughs> of him and the baby. Yeah, like, I'm just she, like she's like. I don't know where this picture came from. I was like, well, I'm down on the floor with the baby, <laughs> so either so. I really got an, I can articulate my leg in such a manner and take a picture with my foot, or yeah, it's not. It's not been a good brain time, guys. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah. So, the, okay, the live stream for New Year's Eve for Diamond Club as a whole is going to be starting at 4.30 a.m. Eastern Time on December 31st. So Ooh. they're doing a 27-hour streamathon, um, And that is going to be, yeah, <laughs> twitch.tv slash DC streamathon. That is going to be where um, you can see everybody streaming. So basically, there's going to be a lot of hosting of, of channels, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can't catch all the Diamond Clubbers' different streams, which includes our friends over at Ritual Misery. They're going to kick the whole thing off at 4.30. Yeah. Just, just I think so they, you know. they, they um, do stuff throughout as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. Uh, the Crafty Hot Beverages. She's actually going to be like the second person, I think. Uh, and then, of course, National Treasure, Big Voice J, doing his own streams on there. Um, you can check and out champion people. Yeah, <laughs> you can check out our stream uh, during the live event at nine thirty p.m. Eastern time, 
Uh, we're going to be streaming just like last year on our channel as well as the the aforementioned Diamond Club's uh, Twitch channel for the Streamathon. So uh, the Streamathon will be supporting Extra Life, which is the fundraising and gaming marathon platform that supports Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. So um, we will definitely be pimping out, you know, donating to that charity. Um, and I know that we have our own link uh, that contributes to the Diamond Clubs. But I have to find that still. Yes, I, uh, I wasn't able to find that. But the, it's um, been going on all year long. Last yeah. we had checked in is our donations uh, were exceeding everyone else's, and we yeah. just want to say, come on, guys, let's keep that up. Let's. We're not saying <laughs> we're not in this to win. Like it's it's not a competition. Yes, but, yes. but we're, we're gonna win. But <laughs> we are winning. Should it be a competition, we were winning. I don't know if we are currently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't, <clears throat> we haven't checked in on it. Um, <laughs> Well, while they check uh, those updated numbers, uh, we can go ahead and shill again for Drinktacular Friday, February 22nd through Sunday, February 24th, 2019 in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, you can join us for brewery tours, brewery hopping, bottle shares, uh, all kinds of great stuff's going to be going on. It's just going to be an amazing weekend. Don't worry about flying in. Uh, we looked it up. You can get very affordable transportation from the airport down to downtown. And uh, we're still getting everything uh, everything in order there, but we can say a lot of uh, the tours are free, actually. But we're getting those assembled so that we can get everyone in together, and some of them are not free. But we're gonna... Some are free. Some are not. Some are not. And we've gone to the trouble of uh, securing a special tour at New Belgium, so we can all go and do a, a really nice behind-the-scenes tour there, and it's not one that they offer to absolutely everyone who shows up for free. So uh, this one costs a little cabbage, and we're going to cover that for you guys. But in lieu of doing any tickets, since we are going to cover the cost for these things, and you just have to show up, uh, why don't you just email us to secure your spot? Feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, and just put how many are in your party coming, and we can go ahead and secure it, because some of these tours do have uh, strict uh, head limits. (laughs) So yeah, we may have to be first to sh- come first. Yeah, first come first. Um, on sir. some of these, if it, if we max out at a certain tour, whoever emails first would get yeah first yeah. dibs. You don't have to send us any money or anything. This is just to say, hey guys, uh, I'm going to be there. Just let us know, and we'll go ahead and mark your name down. That so and so is going to be there. Bring in their wife or whoever else. Yeah. So we'll just wife, mark husband you seeing eye dog. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, so something, no how, how, how will they recognize us at Drinktacular though? Like, should, should we have like a red rose on? <laughs> well, well perhaps, yeah. perhaps some sort of signifying, there, there will be signifying garments as it turns out. Yes. So, um, we have just started it. So, you know, bear with us. There's a few things on there. I'm still working on more stuff, but, uh, our store is up on the website. <gasps> So you can go to our website, haveadrinkshow.com, and click the link to go to the store, or you can go to haveadrinkstore.com. We've just got a few things up there right now. So um, uh, if you want a Delatter's Brewing shirt, though... Yes, you heard her right. You can get your own Delatter's merchandise. Yes. Of course, there's also Have a Drink shirts, or if you'd like to have a drink out of your Have a Drink mug, then you can do that, too. Um, you can head over to the store if you have any ideas or a particular product that you would like to see or, or designs of things that we've talked about, of course. 
please use the feedback email that we just mentioned um, for the Drinktacular event. So, I wonder who's going to be the first person to buy something from our store. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was you. Okay. First person. <laughs> the listener. Not on the show. <laughs> first listener. Uh, and I, I really want to get... Um, because uh, I just because I made it a while ago, and I'm like, no, I'm going to use this. I really want to get the we've got the the beer label for the the night is dark and full of tussin uh, cherry stout. <laughs> so I still want to get that on something. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, yeah, and I want to get more products too. But right now, it's just using um, the print full service, and they don't have like everything in the world. But um, we're again, we're going to get more stuff on there. So. It's coming. It's coming, guys. Yeah. At the very least, you can get one of two color shirts right now um and uh the shirts are supposed to feel pretty awesome it's like that soft cotton i think so i may have bought three (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so check that out and then of course final announcement we are going to be checking in on the movie draft Welcome to your Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of December 17th, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. Today, I shot my first turkey. Now I'm not allowed in the Whole Foods anymore. Let's go to the scoreboard. D-Movie Party's in last place with debuts from Bumblebee and Second Act, bringing their total to $168 million. Team Drunkage Gaming is in fifth place with $250 million. Team Vod Squad's in fourth place with $253.5 million. Team Game Night's in third place with $371 million. Team Have a Drink is in second place with $437 million. And in first place, it's Team Ritual Misery with $446.6 million. That's your movie draft minute all told is accurate as of december 22nd 2018 oh thank you again jay that's amazing oh, they're not so that good. much ahead of us this is no they have just no. been barely staying ahead of us i mean i'm still happy but, with second just because like we're you know it's an iffy time but still <laughs> that said they had uh uh i had made fun of them for leaving money on the table and so far, it hasn't seemed to matter for them. They're just rubbing my face in their first place spot. I'm like, all right, I know, I lose. So, all right, we just had Mary Poppins. Uh, it, it hasn't disappointed yet. We expected Aquaman was going to hit big, but all projections are showing Mary Poppins is going to be the long game favorite out of out of the holiday weekend. I was say, it picked, still has this weekend coming, so yeah. <clears throat> You know, it's it, it feels like family movie for Christmas time. So yeah, talking about long games, uh, how's the Grinch still performing again? Like still in the top five. It has been. Uh, it was in the top two or three. The only Christmas movie. Like <laughs> so it has been weird. Riding it out strong for a long time, and I think its grosses are over everything else. Like for the extent of the draft, I think it's grossed more than anything else. Jeez. I mean, it's a good long game. <laughs> Still got to work on my putting, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's so. it for the announcements, at least. But we do have, of course, news. Do? All right. Again, so the Brewers Association has decided uh, our term for uh, a craft brewer, not, not craft beer, but a craft brewer needed uh, some updating. Are they needing to make sure that... Um... Uh, what's his name? Sam Cook. Uh, Sam Adams. Jim Cook. Jim Cook. 
No, no, I don't think <laughs> I don't think that has anything to do with it. He had to make sure he was still a craft brewer, because that's usually why they change things. Yeah, they're usually changing these definitions to keep uh, Yingling and Sam Adams involved. So, uh, citing a need to remain flexible at a time when growing number of craft breweries are experimenting with non-traditional beer offerings, the Brewers Association today announced that it has once again revised its craft brewer definition. Well, craft brewing is in its adolescence. It's when it's time to experiment, figure out... (laughs) Figure out who they are. Really, who they are, what they like about life. Maybe, uh, the, maybe take a gap year. <laughs> the changes to the definition, which will take effect immediately and impact the way the trade group reports 2018 craft beer production figures, marks the fourth uh, time um, the organization has altered the criteria since 2007. That's a good way to show growth if you change your things right before you have to report everything. That it will. <laughs> So the Brew Association, which represents the interests of small and independent U.S. craft beer companies, said its board of directors approved a revised craft brewer definition that replaces the traditional pillar with the simple brewer stipulation. The elimination of the traditional pillar also further underscores the Brew Association's effort to prioritize the small and independent components of its definition. Under the previous definition, a craft brewer was defined as small, producing fewer than 6 million barrels, independent, less than 25% owned by a non-craft brewer, and traditional, meaning a majority of its total volume must be derived from traditional or innovative brewing ingredients. Mm-hmm. The Brew Association uh, craft brewer definition is more relevant than ever in this climate, particularly the independent piece of the definition. That was from the Brew Association. Uh, so, and during the announcement, the shift helps allow for innovation and ingenuity. Moving forward, Brewers Association defined craft brewers will no longer need to derive a majority of their volumes from beer. In addition to meeting the small and independent pillars of the organization's definition, a Brewers Association defined craft brewer must possess a brewer's notice from the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau and make beer flat out they're so, just saying you have to make beer and have the notice from the ttb so this does make it sound like uh, they're trying to make sure sam adams stays in there and shows growth because they <clears throat> they've been showing you know decent numbers in their cider and their uh, yes. malt beverage and other avenues but not necessarily been kind of like kind of flat in the beer because no pun intended. Because sparkling, uh, these little sparkling mixed drink things that are coming out, the hard seltzers and ciders and all these things are where the growth is coming in. And a lot of craft brewers have started dabbling in this. And it's like we're even seeing it on the local level with uh, Braxton uh, announcing their hard seltzer line. How's that make you feel, Brittany? I just super angry, a little irritated, a little irritated. Okay. I don't know why. I still don't know why. Like as soon as I got the email from Braxton, I was like, "Why? Why are you doing this? Stop it!" Well, additionally, the new definition enables companies that primarily engage in the act of cider making, wine making, and hard seltzer production, but also told TTB brewers notices and uh, brew small amounts of beer to be counted as the Brewer Association's annual craft brewer data set. That's funny, too, because there's a place, I think it's a place in town, um, 
Pivot. I know you're talking about Pivot. Yeah, they they used to do mo- like just ciders, and then they're like, okay, we got to do beer too because apparently, yeah, they had to start doing to be included and get in on all this. They had to do beer, and they had never. Well, they also had to do it because they couldn't source apples all year yeah. round affordably. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you you can purchase juice and concentrate year round. Yeah, but my understanding, that was what they, you know, they just recently started being able to press in-house. A lot of what they were doing was potentially um, buying out juice Ah. and going from there. I never had that product. I had some of their beer, which was, when I was there, I was surprised. It was really good. Yeah. All right. uh, According according to Pease, the traditional pillar of the previous definition – uh, saying that it stifles innovative tactics the Brew Association members are u- uh, using to survive or succeed. Uh, had changes not been made, they said that the organization would have been forced to exclude an increasing number of members that have chosen to diversify their beverage portfolios beyond beer from its annual report on craft beer production volumes. We needed to keep up with the innovations now and attempt to create a definition that builds in room for future innovations, he wrote. The purpose of the definition is not to limit craft brewer creativity, but to allow for it. Uh, The last time the definition received an update in 2014, sparkling seltzers weren't even part of the conversation. Who knows what's next? I, uh... I don't know. I I, could have... I could see them trying to like spin this as well, going like, you know what? Screw the Ryan Heights kaboot. Whatever you want to do, guys. I mean, that's but a big that's conversation not, that's, that's going on. Also, like, I mean, it is, but it's not actually part of this one. But yeah. the idea of removing the traditional one would make someone think think of that. But what they're actually saying is, you brew beer however you want to brew beer. Also, as long as you brew some beer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can just, be doing just other things. Keep keep being a part of us. It's also, we've talked about, uh, even away from seltzers and stuff, all the breweries that are also distilling. Like, there's a lot of other things that breweries are doing to stay alive and stay afloat in this market because this market is not that receptive to beer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, the Brewers Association is supposed to work for the brewers, not the other way around. And so by looking at what the movement is going to be next and removing this hurdle to say, hey, we only represent brewers, the Brewers Association is basically saying, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you make cider, which is currently legal underneath. You're currently a brewer if you uh, are a cider maker under 6%, I think is the uh, – I may be wrong on that number, but <clears throat> basically is defined by – um, the feds and the, the state, if you make under a certain percentage of a cider product, it's actually considered a beer or it can ser- be served as a malt beverage mm-hmm. instead of having to get a wine license for anything above that percentage. So by opening themselves up to a wider audience, they can bring in more money to the Brewers Association through fees um, and then also help to uh, garner a little bit more leverage in the future with these these additional voices that they'll they'll be representing when it comes to government affairs and working with the um, the lawmakers on these types of issues. Uh, I do like there's a paragraph near the end here, uh, or actually not even near the end, but it's just below the 
the just the actual the new de- definition i guess uh they talk about like it's a living document and it's meant to change uh you know, as it goes along, but they go more immediately. However, the update definition enables BA to continue calling Boston Beer Company a craft brewer and thus count nearly eight percent of all BA defined craft beer volumes in its annual report. <laughs> exactly. That's oh, every time God, they change I the love... definition, it's for Boston beer. I mean, I love when Brewbound is also like, "Yeah, no, we all know what this is for. We all know what's going on, and who really has a big problem with it? Maybe a handful of people, but everyone else is like, "Yeah, okay, we want to keep them under the definition." Like. I'm just like for the principle of the fact, yeah, let's like this whole thing is almost at, you know, Jim's feet. So let's like excluding him would be an insult. Yeah. And, you know, let's let's just say it's not a bad thing to have to change it to fit them so far, as long as, you know, Boston beer is not, you know, (laughs) buying everyone out. Right. No, they're just trying to do what they need to do to keep their business going. Monopolizing a market and shutting out entire, you know, uh, hop markets from everyone else. And, you know, these monopolistic tactics that some brewers have taken to using. Uh, I like to imagine there's a spider above AB and Bev's front door that just just writes in its webs some brewer. (laughs) So let me put this out there. Breweries pay by volume whenever they're becoming members of the Brewers Association. Uh, Yeah. So if you're a brewery that produces 50,000 barrels, you pay five grand. If you're a brewery that produces nearly six million barrels, you're paying $15,000 a year Mm -hmm. as your dues. No, no. This also helps keep the the thing going. Yeah. you know, I'm sure Boston Beer likes being, you know, they get benefit from it as well because they're still, conti- you know, continue to be considered craft, which is good oh, yeah. for branding, good for their stuff. Although, have you been hearing their current commercials of, like, slow beer tastes better? Yeah, they're not <laughs> the best. It reminds me of, uh, what is it, the Simple Rick? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, I mean, basically you're paying at that that high rate. You're paying by the barrel, so you're paying ten cents per barrel, or or half a penny per barrel at the very high end, depending on uh, on how many you're producing. So you could get get into some dollars. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I believe we actually do have at least uh, one badge for untapped. One whole badge. But it is actually a really important badge because I was sad I wasn't able to attend one of these events because uh, the, mm. the mass the cross-country tapping was, I think, Thursday. Oh, But okay. you can still get the badge for a while, and hopefully places still have this on tap. So you can go and help contribute. The Resilience... Resilience Butte? Yep. Butte County, not but. <laughs> Resilience Butte County Proud IPA. Trying to be very respectful and not to make butt jokes. Uh, this past November, California experienced one of the most devastating wildfires in this in the state's history. The worst of these fires, the campfire, caused a massive amount of damage, displacing thousands of residents, many of whom lost everything they had. Which, ugh, Jesus. Uh, even before the campfire was fully contained, Sierra Nevada, which is based in Chico, California, jumped into action, establishing the Campfire Relief Fund, a charity uh, to help those affected by the campfire. 
Uh, Sierra Nevada also decided uh, the way to uh, decide to do what they do best: uh, brew a special beer. Named Resilience Butte County Proud IPA, all profits from this beer go directly to supporting the Campfire Relief Fund. Uh, it's available on draft and in 12-ounce cans throughout their distribution area. Uh, in addition, Sierra Nevada put out the call to all craft brewers throughout the United States to join them in brewing Resilience and donating the, their profits as well. In true family spirit of the craft beer, more than 14,000 breweries signed up to create Resilience, put it on their draft ta- uh, draft in their tap rooms and donating their profits. Today we will join Sierra Nevada. Oh. Go ahead. What? It was 1,400 brewers. 1,400 brewers. I don't know what I said. Uh, today we join uh, together with Sierra Nevada and more than uh, 1,400 breweries around the around the country in support of the Campfire Relief Fund, the very special Resilience uh, Butte County Proud IPA badge. This badge is available to, from December 15th to March 1st. So, good while. Uh, and can be unlocked uh, by checking into any version of the Resilience IPA from any participating brewery. And there you have a whole list. Yeah, of... it's an impressive list. I think we had like a dozen breweries locally who were participating. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember seeing Listerman post something. And like I that. really wanted to talk about this, like, because the story of all this obviously broke while we were on our break. And I was just like sitting there going, ah, I want to talk about this so bad. Because what Sierra Nevada did is they immediately came up with this recipe of a rather inexpensive IPA that was is supposed to be pretty good still. And they just put put the whole recipe out there and just told everyone, Hey, you want to participate? Uh, you, you can brew it. Here's the recipe, brew it. And every bit of profit comes straight into this fund. Like anybody selling this beer is not making money off of it. It's all Sierra going Nevada's, back. Sierra Nevada is pretty good about that too. Like they, uh, their whole torpedoing technology. They're just like, they put it up and go like, Hey, as long as you say you're using this method, go right ahead. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> But yeah, it's really neat what they decided to do with this, and that was like day one. They immediately, uh, you might be able to find the post still on their Twitter when uh, the fire started, and I was watching this when they announced they had to close their brewery in Chico down for a little bit. But as yeah. soon as it reopened, they turned it into a shelter for everyone who needed, who didn't have anywhere to go. You could immediately go to the brewery, and they just opened up the merch shop, and they just laid out boxes of clothes. For anyone who needed anything, like if you don't, if you need clothes, they just had it sitting in the front foyer as you came into the brewery and they would clothe you and you could come in. And I think anybody, all the firefighters and anyone volunteering got free beers and free meals. And so they've been on top of this and been awesome about it. Well, I keep thinking of when I think of the campfire thing, too, is like Smokey told you. <laughs> Well, that's kind of the problem with this is the stigma that uh, Smokey uh, put out there. And what what most people didn't understand and still don't is that the West uh, thrives on fire. You have to have small uh, regional fires every year or you get these giant decimating fires that go forever and just wipe stuff out. Mm, fair, but... Fire's pivotal to the ecosystem out there, but small ones, if you just let it do what it's going to do, they will stay small and not, you know, wipe out half the state. Right. Can, uh, I know this is, we've skipped over news a little bit, but um, I just found the hops and barley report for this year. Oh. And we can do that on New there's Year's. some interesting numbers. Can, can I run through those real quick? I mean, if you want, yeah. Yeah, um, play that news so, bumper again. Play, play it again. <laughs> She's not ready. You cut her okay. off guard. Sorry. Wait. Uh, More news. Um. So, 
in 2018, it looks like there was a 4% increase in acreage of hops. Um, the alpha acid content appeared to have been reducing, however, in the past six years, even as acreage increased. Looks like this year that uh, changed. So there's actually more bitterness, um, even though there is uh, there's there's more bitterness and more hops, not just all aroma hops. So we have from uh, about 56, uh, sorry, 55, 56,000 acres of hops to about 57, 58,000 acres of hops uh, in the U.S. Now, the top varieties, if you could take a guess on um, on what variety grown in acreage this year was. In the U.S., yes. Pacific Northwest specifically. I don't know exactly where they're all grown, so I'm just going to start saying names, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, Cascade? So Cascade does rank up there. Cascade actually Sim- ranks as number two. Simcoe. Simcoe. Ranks as number five. Uh, Galaxy. Mm. So mm. Galaxy is uh, south uh, yeah, south of the equator, so that okay. one I think is that's Australia. One I didn't, okay, that's one yep. I didn't know where that one was, so I was... Just yep. tossing it out there. Is it Zaka? Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, is it say is it Zaka up there? I don't. So Zaka didn't make it into the top, although Mosaic made it Mosaic. in at number seven. Yeah. Uh, a new one, Pato P A H T O, made it in as as number ten. Amarillo as number nine. Um, Centennial is three, and Zeus, which is uh, Tomahawk Zeus. Oh uh, yeah. That CTZ combo. Oh Number yeah, one yeah. this year. Um, beating out Cascade in its four-year reign as being the number one hop grown in the Pacific Northwest, um, Citra. Mm, I didn't even think about Citra. So we're going to see more Citra. Citra came from third place last year and beat out uh, Cascade and everybody else this year. So we're going to see a lot more Citra in the year coming. So look for those Citra Citra. Butt down gonna, IPAs and yeah, Citra highs gonna, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we're gonna we're gonna see an increase in production of Citra ass down. Yeah, because yep. you're worldwide. Uh, however, during this um, this time when people are moving out to Pilsners instead of just circulating around these big high, it's, you know, they're looking more traditional in the Pilsner see, style. I was going to guess, and you said worldwide. I was like, some kind of holler towel. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, the Czech hops, Czech Republic hops, are expected to be down forty percent this year. Oh, wow. so hot and dry weather is number one um, going to be the number one reason uh, that those are down. Holler Tower oh, yeah. hops, all of your your different varieties of Holler Tower out of Germany are going to be severely cut this year. Uh, probably a ten to fifteen percent reduction. It looks like. Wow. Um, so it's going to be a lot of these traditional hops that were. I mean, you look at the beer industry and it says, all right, we're 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 done with these big, juicy, citrusy IPAs. We're going to move over and start into this Pilsner world where it's really like everybody's moving that direction this next season. Mm-hmm. And then the hop shortage in that side starts. That's good. Yeah, that's like they're, they're either going to have to pay to do it. <laughs> yeah. Or they're just going to have to go, you know what, man, isn't it great to be juicy? <laughs> German quality seems to be uh, lower than in previous years. Uh, high infestation levels of pests and diseases like hop aphids um, and the red spider mites. That sounds like red a wonderful creature. So uh, gonna, I, feel like I was our... going to say like the 
the aphids in general, I was like, God, how I hate you. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Uh, as you were talking about the galaxy hops, Bob, um, due to high demand, plantings increased for the proprietary varieties of Galaxy and Vic's Secret this year. Um, we won't be seeing what those... Wait, uh, Vic's Vapor Rub has a hop? Vic's Secret. It's uh, one of the newer varieties out yeah. there. Oh. We won't see those until our spring. Um, but there was probably an increase of about 3% in plantings in those those products specifically. So we'll see how that works out. Um, on the grain side, in the barley report, uh, Canada planted 6.5 million acres of barley, while America only planted 2.5 million acres. Both, however, are up quite a lot. Canada's up nearly 800,000 acres, and the U.S. is up 24,000 acres over last year's numbers. So a big increase, but... When you look at the numbers based against 1994 to now, there were about seven and a half million acres planted in the U.S., and that seven and a half million has now reduced down to about 2.5 million. Oh, wow. So, I wonder what they're growing instead, or what are they not growing and getting paid to do? They're getting corn, I bet. Probably. It's all corn, and we're getting our malt from outside the U.S., most likely. Yeah. Um. So you're looking at even though um, that there's been a reduction, there was a little increase this past year. So that's that's looking good. So little little hop and and barley update. Um, I, I wish we had like one of those uh, like news graphics things when you said like the barley report. I just wanted to see like a big stamp that comes down on the screen. The barley report. <laughs> um, the production versus the consumption of barley over the past few years has been really, really kind of pacing back and forth. Um, our consumption has been averaging between 140 ish up to 148 over the past few years. Um, the production this year worldwide, 142 million tons looks like the consumption, 147 million tons. So we're getting to the point where you might have a, a little bit of a barley shortage. I was going to say, like, now I'm no math genius. But... We had that happen last year, didn't we? Well, there was, yeah, there was a barley shortage. Well, last year, and the barley shortage last year, I think, was because of, of some poor growing conditions and maybe yeah. even some fire, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but so the last year that we had an excess was of about 4 million acre excess in 2016. Um, last year it showed almost exactly even. So 146 million needed and 146 million produced. And then this year we were down by about 5 million bear, uh, uh, tons. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what that translates into in barley prices this next year. Hmm. All right. Indeed. All right. So, um, last thing up few, few new, um, Barley varieties that are coming in through uh, through basically what you'll be seeing, Equinot, um, Laurel, those are coming into their fruition this year. So you're actually looking to see hops that have been planted a few years back changing over into hops that people really want to uh, really want to get. So Laurel is one of these that did a few years ago or maybe two years ago. This year's the the good year from Equinot. Like this year is looking really good for Equinot. Because you'll plant these barley varieties, I mean, sorry, plant these hop varieties, 
and they'll go a couple years and not show their true colors. And then by like year three, four, they'll come out and be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm delicious. <laughs> That's why Citra um, was started in 2008. You're just now seeing it come up to full variety. Mosaic was in 2012. You really didn't start hearing about it until uh, 2016, something like that. Equinaut, this year is going to be great. Laurel is going to be great in the next couple of years. So um, as you're looking at hop contracts, those could be be some good ones. Hmm. Uh, a new one called HBC 630 is said to taste like Cherry Luden's cough drops. What? Oh, yeah. Time, time to get that. <laughs> Get that one. Uh, HBC 472 is supposed to have a woody coconut flavor. Can't wait to try that one. Yeah. Um, And then the last one, HBC 692. Look for a juicy tropical one coming around. Hmm. Sorry, the wooden coconut one. I'm just like, man, you picture a coconut porter. Oh, my Mm. goodness. Um, There's another one coming through Hopsteiner. They've got some really weird names. This one is uh, XO... Nine three two six, yeah, real catchy. Grapefruit I'm up front, sure that's berry like notes so, in the finish. Pretty sure that was like someone's high school, like I am name. <laughs> <laughs> and then XO sixty two seventy seven, pineapple and pine. Can't wait to try those. Interesting. All right. Now that my mouth's watering, I think we need to scoot on into our mouth watering topic. I like chocolate milk. I like chocolate milk. Can I have some chocolate milk? Can I have some chocolate milk? I like chocolate milk. I like chocolate milk! <laughs> I don't know what that is, but okay. Oh, that's oh your childhood was lacking from Foster's Home for Imaginary Children. Oh. And like by childhood, I mean like your teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was a really funny cartoon. Like, really well written, too, actually. So, yeah, that was uh, uh, Cheese from Foster's Home for Imaginary <laughs> Friends. If, uh, I had to find was... it. Sorry. Yeah. He's I think the... it was the guy from who, who did Powerpuff Girls. Yes. Oh, yeah, I think so. He's he's at least in that same class as him and Giddy Tartakovsky. And... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I have a lot of animation knowledge about when we grew up uh great show great show but great yeah show. uh topic today uh chocolate chocolate drinks mm-hmm. yeah so uh <laughs> uh guys it's gonna get gonna get real sad as we go on uh chocolate is derived <laughs> from the seeds of the <clears throat> theobroma cacao right i know theobroma? the cacao part's right <laughs> Uh, the o the obroma, <laughs> the obroma. We're gonna go with the obroma for the rest of the show because that <laughs> no that that makes me hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that causes physical no. pain. Just just imagine like an extra chill version of uh, of President Obram, Obama. He's obroma. <laughs> the oh. obroma. He's like, what up, bro? Oh dear. All right, now that I've hurt Chris deep in his soul. (laughs) (sighs) Theobroma cacao, uh, also known as the cacao tree, which is most likely what we're going to keep saying. Uh, The cacao tree uh, is small, around uh, four to eight meters. (laughs) Man, I wish small for me meant I was only four meters. (laughs) Uh, Which is 13 to 26 feet tall. Uh, It's an evergreen tree found in the family... Malavacene? Malavacene? 
Malvache? Question mark? I'm not sure. By the way, MB, the intro very nearly was Chocolate Rain. (laughs) Like, I... I had to fight the urge. Um, anyway, this tree is native to the deep tropical regions of the Americas. This is all according to Wikipedia. Uh, the name itself comes from two words in Noatl. I'm guessing I said that right. I don't know. The language spoken by many native uh, groups. Chocoatl, which translates literally means hot water. Hot water. Uh, and which uh, references a bitter uh, beverage made with uh, coca that was shared during religious ceremonies, which shows its importance in, to the civilizations in the area. Uh, in the raw state, the raw state... Oh, go ahead. If while reading it was the same thing, there were no recipes that were found for the it was so used in religious ceremonies that there were no like homemade recipes for it that could be found it was all like for religious sacrament basically i mean i know it's not sacrament but you know for the religious purposes was the only place that it was actually focused for on. some things they yeah. they did use the cacao plant for other things but the recipe yeah. for that beverage for that yeah. particular As a drink cacao <clears throat> Uh, sorry. Um, just reading the chat and coming up with dumb ideas to use later in the episode. Um, anyway, uh, where did I? Uh, in its raw state, uh, plucked from their tangy, sweet, gummy white flesh, lining uh, white flesh lining a pod shaped like a Nerf football. The cacao seeds are bitter and unrecognizable as chocolate to modern American palates. Much like many things, yeah. we just don't know how to do things properly. Uh, I've got a quote here from uh, Hayes Lavis, the cultural uh, arts curator from the Smithsonian's uh, Natural... Sorry, the Smithsonian's Natu- National Museum of the American Indian. And he says, how do you think to take uh, the seed? Uh, how do you think to take the seed? Harvest it, dry it, let it ferment, and roast it. It's not something you would normally think to do. Uh, and he said, perhaps one theory holds someone was eating the fruit and spitting seeds into the fire, and the rich smell roasting off one of them inspired a thought, hey, what's something more we could do with this? I like that even he is much like me going, okay, what stage did they dumb luck figure into something? Because, that right? you know, that's 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 how we usually assume uh, alcohol got started. Uh, okay, fair, Mbeam. I do always have dumb ideas. Uh, but no, not... it does come out. It's like the whole thing, even with fermenting in general. Who lets something sit exposed for weeks and then decide, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like now? You know? I like to imagine most of early culinary history comes down to hmm, hmm. that old fruit in the corner has like white foam pouring out of no, it. I want to no, take no, a no. bite of that. Someone now. just looking, someone just looking over, going like, "Give it to Mikey. He'll eat it. He'll eat anything." <laughs> and it didn't kill him. Hey, Mike. He likes it. <laughs> it's my uh, life cereal corollary to history. Uh. <clears throat> So, chemical analysis of pots belonging to the Olmec civilization, uh, one of the 
the OG Olmecs, not the later tribes, uh, found trace amounts of the chocolate residue or something close to it, uh, which puts people consuming chocolate somewhere between 12,400 BCE, which is the period of the Olmec civilization. Some traces have been found in pre-Olmec cultures dating back as far as uh, uh, 1750 BCE. Ooh. So, way far back. Yeah. Uh, la- later Mesoamerican civilizations, such as Mayan and Aztec people, would be noted for their use of it as well. Uh, the, ca- the cacao bean itself was important to these cultures, uh, so much so that for the Aztecs, it was used as currency and trade, uh, given to warriors as a uh, post-battle award, and uh, served at royal feasts. So, as we've mentioned today... Uh, the chocolate drinks at this time were bitter and harsher than what we would expect. Uh, it was used for a variety of purposes, from medicinal to culinary to ceremonial. And like I said, it was used as currency. At one point, the Aztecs received a yearly tribute of 980 loads. If anyone else can see what I'm looking at in the dock, this has to be... You be you. Weir- you be you. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm going to go sure. ahead and assume that there's like a click or something that's that's involved in. I don't. Yeah. Of uh, the Nahuatl. Uh, anyway, that's those loads of cacao in addition to uh, other goods. Each load represented exactly 8,000 beans. The buying power of the quality beans was uh, such that 80 to 100 beans would buy a new cloth mantle. Ooh. 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 So. You know, buy, buy I'm assuming mantle cover. doesn't go above the uh, fireplace. This is no, just no, like a, like on a your chest, like a like a like almost like a vest. Yes. Uh, you, the use of cacao beans as currency is also known to have spawned to counterfeiters during the Aztec Empire, what? which I would have loved to have seen. <laughs> what are they doing? Just taking regular beans and trying to paint them, or <laughs> I'm confused. I just got painting the roses red stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, well, uh, however, they would rarely use sweeteners with it, except for honey, which they would use and they would try and ferment it. Because mankind will always find a way to get drunk off of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fact. All right, well, uh, chocolate, chocolate didn't leave the Americas until uh, noted conquistador, uh, Spanish for disease-carrying murder thief. You know, I'm just, pretty sure that's an accurate. I stand by <laughs> that. I stand by that translation of uh, conquistador. Uh, came to the new world and made contact with the Aztecs. <laughs> made contact is polite history speak for pretend to be a god, steal a lot of gold, and lead an armed conquest of a long-lasting empire with an interesting history that belongs in a different show. <laughs> yeah. No. That's. I think it's also how that, that shakes out. In one of those spicy, late-night television kind of shows. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you know, like, we, we, we give Christopher Columbus a lot of crap for being a terrible human being. Cortez makes him look like a saint. Yeah, yeah, makes it uh, makes it kind of like child's play. It's just unfortunate. Hmm? All right, uh, <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate. Once the area, though, was under Spanish control, they began extending exporting new exo- I almost said extorting which would almost work as well mm. exporting new exotic goods to the people of Spain 
One of the best received was chocolate. Once they added sugar, it became the drink of the Spanish court and nobles and kept from the rest of Europe for a further century. Because, you know, got to keep that stuff secret. Exactly. Keep it safe. However, the Spanish could not hold on to their secret forever, and chocolate quickly spread across the rest of Western Europe. Chocolate, then still exclusively in the form of a drink, appeared in France, and then in England, in royal courts and special chocolate houses that served the social elite. Imagine pre-coffee. Yeah, that's really what was going on. Uh, Hot chocolate was hailed by the upper classes as both delicious and healthy, and uh, cocoa or cacao, and I always get confused which way to say it. It, it just happens in my brain. They're actually spelled differently. I know, but oh. my brain sees it and then just wants to wire it the other way. Hmm. Um, That's fair. Cocoa ultimately gained the reputation of being an aphrodisiac. Still does today in the form of green M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> true, very true. Old myths never die. They just change forms. Wait, is that why in ads before the green one was made to be a woman? Yes. Oh, that's Because the, the theory at that point was like it's an aphrodisiac. Actually, they went, well, since they think that, let's make it a woman with legs. That's awful. They, they, I know they ended up getting rid of that one, and now the, there's just the regular like brown M&M. No, no, I think she's, she's still, still there. Is yeah. she? They just, yeah, they don't get rid of them. They just... She's on break. <laughs> All right, uh, someone had to grow all the sugar and cacao trees and harvest it all, and the rich Europeans did not want to do that themselves, so they bought slaves for it, you know, like they did for everything at the time. Hmm. The indigenous yeah. people did not take to the work well, so they began taking African slaves to the New World to begin the work on plantations. Uh, it doesn't get the recognition of cotton or sugar, but the production of chocolate is a long process especially when it had to be done by hand, and slaves did most of the work. They slowly began to implement tools and devices to ease the work and increase production. But it still... That was after slavery was over, more or less. Yeah, but it still made chocolate a high-priced commodity only for the wealthy. Uh, then came the Industrial Revolution in 1815. Dutch chemist uh, Konrad von Houten... Yeah. Konrad von Houten introduced uh, alkaline salts to chocolate, which reduced its bitterness. A few years thereafter, in 1828, he created a press to remove about half the natural fat, uh, cocoa butter or cacao butter, from chocolate liqueur, which made chocolate both cheaper to produce and more consistent in quality. The innovation uh, introduced the modern era of chocolate, Solid chocolate hit the market and found wild success by 1850 due to the discovery by uh, Joseph Fry that adding cacao butter to the cacao powder formed a solid mass. Sixty years later, the art of creating chocolate confections with flavored filling, referred to as pralines by their Belgian inventor... Jean Niehaus? Jean Niehaus? Jean Niehaus? The second, yeah, uh, went public from there. The chocolate and cacao industry exploded in popularity and quickly spread around the world. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things. Uh, I believe if you also want to talk about uh, great things that we enjoy today that have not not the best history, go back to the the rum episode. Hmm. Yeah, 
Basically, anything that involved sugar is going to involve slavery. Anything that involved uh, sugar and spices, you know, going south beyond Florida is going to involve. Also, tea. (laughs) Also, tea. Anything that involves the British, (laughs) yeah, yeah, white people. That's safe. (laughs) Does it involve white people? Yeah, there's probably slavery. Some some form of slavery because we're assholes. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into actually how to make chocolate. So we need um, some we need some uh, moving parts and uh, yeah. some like you know pretty solid standard like music just like okay yeah we just see that repeated oh, like footage the, of, how it's made yeah. situation yeah mm-hmm. um, so this is from the Spruce Eats how chocolate is made all right uh, most so, of it there's a most, most of it's from this uh, how chocolate is made article a little bit's from Wikipedia because ah, they did some of this well, a little faster but. yeah because wiki a little bit's from the Necronomicon you know you had to pull from the <laughs> relevant sources you know here and there. Well, you know, Klaatu, Varada. <laughs> All right. So first off is the harvesting part. So um, obviously the pods from the cacao tree must be harvested. Uh, usually they use a machete or a big stick, uh, but only harvested when ripe. If they aren't ripe, there won't be enough seeds and there won't be enough sugar. Once the pods are harvested, the seeds are removed so they can begin to ferment. Yeah. Uh, ferment. So the fermenting. So uh, the old friend of Have a Drink Show, the fermentation process. <laughs> uh, raw cocoa beans have a bitter and undesirable flavor. Fermentation transforms this bitterness, making it into the more complex precursor to the classic cocoa flavor we're familiar with. Fermentation is achieved with natural yeast and bacteria that are present on the cocoa beans. Um, the beans are simply left out in the heat and moisture to ferment uh, for approximately seven days, after fermentation, the beans are quickly dried to prevent mold growth. Um, on roasting, so after fermentation and drying, the beans are thoroughly cleaned and removed of any sticks, stones, or other debris. Cocoa beans are typically roasted using the dry roast me- method, which employs constant stirring to ensure even heating. Dry roasting does not require the addition of extra oils or fats, which allows the flavor to stay pure. This is the final step in creating the classic cocoa flavor that we're familiar with. So the processing part. After the roasting's actually done, the hull is removed from the bean and the inner nib is extracted. The, you know, you've seen you've heard of the term <laughs> gonna, cacao nibs or cocoa nibs. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds a little gross though. The yeah. inner nib. Nib is not a fun <laughs> word. To turn it sounds uh, really re- messed up. So that's that's the spot you got to find the inner nib. That's that's how you really. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are we talking about? <sighs> so the nibs are then ground into a fine powder, which contains cocoa solids and cocoa butter. Cocoa... Stopped being kinky real fast. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You can cocoa butter. Uh... <laughs> tickle the use the cocoa butter and tickle the inner nib. Oh jeez. <laughs> Uh, the cocoa butter usually liquefies from the frictional heat while grinding the nibs. <laughs> nope, we're going to keep going here. <sighs> Just mute, mute them and go on. <laughs> uh, this liquefied form of pulverized cocoa nibs is referred to as cocoa liquor. Not the same liquor. Um, cocoa liquor is then poured into molds, allowed to cool, then sold and transported into these blocks. These blocks are known as unsweetened or baker's chocolate, which, of course, you're going to see a lot this time of year. Alternatively, cocoa liquor can be separated into two products, cocoa powder and cocoa butter. Oh, cocoa butter. Um, So, (laughs) blending. 
Chocolate liquor is blended with the cocoa butter in varying quantities to make different types of chocolate or um, couvertures. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. Mm. The basic blends of ingredients for the various types of chocolate in order of highest quantity of cocoa liquor are dark chocolate, which is sugar, cocoa butter, cocoa li liquor, and sometimes vanilla. Milk chocolate, um, which is same order, same stuff until you get to adding milk or milk powder and definitely vanilla. And then the white chocolate, which is same stuff. Um, wait, so is this the exact same ingredients? Am I missing something? Same stuff, no cocoa no liquor. No cocoa liquor. Okay. Um, which kind of makes sense as to why it tastes vastly different from all the others. Um, so while this is all interesting, some of the places it's produced um, have less than ideal practices. So the Ivory Coast has come under particular fire for its practices of child labor. Children are forced to work 100-hour weeks and are abused and beaten for trying to leave the farms. Many are basically held in slavery today to make sure people get chocolate. Other West African countries have faced similar accusations, and the problem is still ongoing. Yes, in 2018. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think you, have gotten, or you haven't gotten chocolate that has been touched by this effect of uh, child slavery, 33% of all the cocoa produced in the world is made in the Ivory Coast, and all of West Africa is collectively responsible for 66% of its production. Why does the wor world ruin everything good? Okay. So, yeah, that actually really sucks. Um, yeah. I think I, I, I want to start looking at fair trade coffee or fair trade uh, uh, yeah, there's chocolate a, there's and single of, origin chocolate. Yeah, there's now. all kinds of fair trade um, chocolate bars you can buy. Um, I don't know about the baker's chocolate, but um, like if you're just getting like the candy and stuff in that organic area, there's all kinds of that stuff. So at least you, you can right. go that route. Yeah, but uh, Hershey's and all of them. Yeah, no, no, they still they still do business there, and they're still awful people. You know, like yeah, look, it's going to happen anyway. Uh, yeah. So on a on a less um, crap note, let's um, go say like yeah, we I couldn't find a good spot to put that in there. No, I mean, there's no. How do you transition from that? <laughs> like, there's no way. One of us is um, biting the slavery bullet. Yeah. Um, okay. All so of us are drinking. Moving on to something better. Hot cocoa versus hot chocolate. So while hot chocolate and hot cocoa are often used interchangeably, they're not actually the same thing. Chocolate begins as cacao seeds, often referred to as cocoa beans, that grow in pods on the bark of the tropical uh, Theobroma cacao tree. These seeds are then fermented... Theobroma. <laughs> Theobroma, yeah, sir. Uh, these seeds are then fermented, dried, and roasted. The shells are removed, leaving the cacao nibs. The nibs are crushed into a thick paste called chocolate liquor. So all the stuff that we just talked about, basically. Um, and the ancient peoples of Mesoamerica mixed this paste with water to make a highly prized beverage. So that is the hot chocolate, right? Well, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's the original hot chocolate. St okay. St stuff's going to get more confusing. Oh, good. Well, because we didn't already have enough trouble with cacao versus cocoa. <laughs> right. Uh, so, 
All right. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's just move on from there and we'll read it as is. And maybe it'll add a little bit more, uh, a little bit more here. Uh, chocolate was made this way and consumed almost entirely as a drink until 1828 when Dutch chemist Conrad, Conrad Johan, uh, Johannes von Houten invented a process that could separate out most of the fat. The cocoa butter from the chocolate liqueur, leaving a dry cake that then was pulverized into a cocoa powder. So you have you have the um, the, the cocoa butter being separated from the cocoa powder at this stage. Before undergoing what's called the, the dutching process, the nibs are treated with an alkaline salt to neutralize their acidity, mold their flavor, and improve the cocoa's miscibility in warm water. The end result is Dutch cocoa, Natural cocoa is that which does not undergo this dutching process. So you still separate the cocoa cake from the uh, the cocoa butter, and you get like this dry cake cocoa. So, but it's not processed with an alkaline salt. So Swiss Miss is Dutch cocoa. Uh, from that name, I can only assume. <laughs> kind of. That's probably uh, what they're trying to invoke. Be, Swiss Miss is probably even more processed than Dutch cocoa would yeah. be. Um, it's important to note that that Dutch cocoa's ability to be stirred and mixed well with water is a key factor to think about when selecting a cocoa powder to make into a chocolate drink. If you just get regular baker's cocoa um, and put it into water, it'll kind of separate and clump up. Um, you got to get Dutch processed cocoa, which makes it soluble in water basically it's not really soluble because it doesn't dissolve but it it'll actually mix it into it makes it makes it a better mixture yeah to make quality solid chocolate cocoa butter is re-added to the chocolate liqueur along with other ingredients like sugar vanilla and milk so hot cocoa is made with cocoa powder either dutch or natural and hot chocolate is made with little pieces or shavings of of solid chocolate the later the latter is sometimes called drinking chocolate but both are delicious so I tried making hot chocolate, so according to this. Right. Ended up making chocolate mousse. I <laughs> uh, sure. got, got heated too many times. and Oh. Then I was like, oh, well, I can't use this. What if I yeah. add water? And then I stirred that and go, well, that's just <laughs> mousse. <laughs> Most of the time, if it's in a dry packet, that is cocoa. So that's hot cocoa. If it is actually a chocolate liquid melty, if you if you can melt it, it is a hot chocolate. Okay. So Apparently, so Nes- Nesquik and Swiss Miss are are cocoa. Uh, yes, and and actually, here's the thing. So milk chocolate was actually invented by a Swiss chocolatier ja- Daniel Peter uh, of Vevey, Geneva. Um, Daniel Peter successfully combined chocolate with powder milk, which powder milk was an invention of Nestle. Mm. And Nestle's powdered milk combined with the Swiss chocolate that Daniel Peter made was was what actually created the first milk chocolate. Now, powdered milk and a powdered chocolate seems to me like it would be the first also powdered cocoa mix but it's not because it's a chocolate from my research and what i could find and there wasn't a ton on it i tried digging pretty deep the first place that i actually see a powdered a powdered drink being actually made as hot cocoa 
where you would take it and dump it into hot water because it had milk, dried milk and dried chocolate cocoa in it was an airline product created by Swiss Miss. Okay. And so yeah. you would go on the airplane, they would have hot water, and if you wanted hot chocolate, they would combine this with hot water. And by doing that, you could make hot chocolate in the air. There was such a call for it after they started putting it in the airplanes that they actually started putting it out where you could buy it in grocery stores shortly after. Okay. So I thought that was that was a really interesting background, but I, I you know that's so. It doesn't say anywhere this is the first time it appears. It's just the first time that I've been able to find in the research it appearing. All so right. cho- chocolate benefits. Let's talk about um, chocolate and the way you can kind of uh, help your lifestyle with chocolate. Um, while we tend to think of chocolate today in its solid form, for nine-tenths of its long history, chocolate was a drink. The first true chocolate bar, as we know, it was not invented until 1839. In the thousands of years before that time, chocolate was seen as an invaluable, sacred, and even magical beverage, a symbol of power, privilege of warriors, and the elite, and a satisfying tonic that was consumed daily and offered the sustenance needed to tackle viral challenges. Viral. So, viral. Um, or maybe once you figure out what else is in them. Real chocolate is an incredibly complex substance containing 400 to 500 different compounds. Among those compounds are several with mind and body boosting benefits. First and foremost, caffeine. A stimulant that is present in small amounts depending on the amount of chocolate uh, ingredients in which chocolate type you're you're eating there um, or drinking. Theobromine. (laughs) Theobromine. A mild this stimulant. Is, this is, so this is uh, this is the obroma that is a mime. The obromime, <laughs> which is also, I mean, we we talk about the the tree earlier, and this is the same compound that the tree is named after, I guess, or vice versa. Um, you know, this is the same sort of of compound that that the same name for the compound. Uh, it's a mild stimulant distinct from caffeine, which produces the lion's share of chocolate's kick and energizes without greatly activating the central nervous system in a way that caffeine does. It also enhances mood, dilates blood vessels, can lower blood pressure, relaxes the smooth muscles of the bronchi of the lungs, and can be used as cough medicine. So uh, from the most part, it sounds like this is the, the general big booster of, of chocolate. You know, um, I haven't taken my nightly. So I just need chocolate for my blood and pressure. It's, uh, I've been coughing less. Hold on, what was that to cough. I, I just need chocolate instead of my blood pressure medication. Then, right? Well, I mean, that's uh, they. They always say it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> the high, high cacao chocolate, yeah. not the not the milk chocolate variety. It's the it's high. Like, it, the the best one is supposed to be like the seventy percent uh, cocoa. Yeah. Or is it cocoa or cacao? God bless cacao. you. Always, you always got to get the stuff cacao. that has like a gorilla or tree frogs on it. Oh, that's yeah, the, the rainforest fair tree and stuff. Yeah. So, and because that's that's going to be, if you have a whole lot of sugar, it's going to offset the fact that this stuff is helping you out on the other side. So, um, you Makes know, sense. all sparingly, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, tryptophan, the turkey feel-good neurotransmitter, um, it actually helps release. Uh, serotonin in the brain helps you sleep a little bit better. So you got a little uppers, but you got some downers in coffee. <laughs> Sorry, you just, like it says the the feel good neurotransmitter serotonin. I'm just like it's the one they call Doctor Feel Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a, a, a relative who started a company based around mixing 
tryptophan with um, chocolate pudding for bodybuilders because they would get so hyped up during the day mm. they would need something to bring them back down and so you know you had chocolate pudding sugar-free chocolate pudding but then you add some extra tryptophan into it and you could come down off of this bodybuilding rage that you've built up so uh, <laughs> uh, had a pretty decent online business they sold out so that was that was pretty decent little uh, little chunk of of uh of, of tryptophan that was going into that stuff wow um ethylamine. So this functions similarly to amphetamines in releasing neuroepinephrine, which increases excitement, alertness, um, and decision-making abilities, along with dopamine, which releases endorphins, uh, natural painkillers, and heightens the mood. You know, the more you're talking about this, the more I'm like, man, this is a drug. uh, Chocolate, (laughs) the natural antidepressant. Um, I feel like even if you did the cocoa powder – like a spoonful of cocoa powder because there's no sugar in it. It's just sort of all the good, uh, the good stuff. Uh, that might be helpful. I don't know. We need to study on it. Uh, and then you've got the flavonoids, antioxidants, which no, may... no, that's that's from that '70s fighting thing. You know, <laughs> it was on the same. You know, they also made Space Ghost. You'd see them back to back. Oh no, this is Herculoids. Never mind. Gotcha. Uh, antioxidants, which may improve blood flow to the heart and brain, prevent clots, improve cardiac health, and act as anti-inflammatories. In addition to all these things, um, chocolate has also for centuries been rumored to be an aphrodisiac. And green M&Ms, looking at you with them come hither eyes. Oh, yeah, that's a, an aphrodisiac. That's all we got to give it to all the kids. <laughs> Ooh. That's one way to uh, boost your population. Yeah. Or just all give right. them all diabetes. I mean, one way or the other. Yeah, that's the problem with my with my uh my whole chocolate fix. I want it to be sweet. Um so Fat. I do like good rich dark chocolate, but you know. I love the, the dark chocolate. Cocoa. I'm I I don't like large quantities of chocolate <clears throat> by itself. Hmm. If you put it with some peanut butter, I'm usually a little bit better. Oh yeah, well, dark, I'm a Reese, I'm a Reese's guy. Say so. dark chocolate with peanut butter is actually far better than the, just like the regular, like standard Reese's situation. Like, oh my gosh, it's. it's I, don't, oh. I don't know, Brittany. Reese's is pretty good, <laughs> I, especially in pieces form. This, it's it's I, I like I like it better with the dark chocolate. Okay, this isn't a drink, but I'm gonna put this out there because it's still like holiday related, like holiday uh, foods. So I, I it may have like a limited time you know, situation. Uh, everybody knows like that, um, uh, lint, the chocolate brand that make the Lindor truffles, oh, yeah. little circle ones. Yeah. The, the ones that are like perfect. So, uh, whatever, Bob, you don't need chocolate. Um, so, <laughs> uh, it's fair. I just have no idea what you're talking about. At target, they had, and, and, and it may be more than just target, obviously, but that's where I found them. Uh, they have a new seasonal flavor of them. Uh, since we're talking about chocolate, it's snickerdoodle flavored. So it's made with white chocolate, and it's got little ch- cinnamon chunks in it, like in the Snickerdoodle cookies. Oh my god, they're amazing! <laughs> We've already gone through a bag. So just had to put that out there because, like, in case it, this stuff goes away in like a month for whatever you know, because Christmas. Ah, oh, so good. I didn't like chocolate a lot as a kid. The Hershey's white chocolate cookies and cream oh, bars; yeah. those were my weakness. Hmm. I used to. Eat- well, that's a whole different taste, you know. Like- I know. I know it is. 
Like I knew it wasn't actual chocolate, and I was like, "All right, I'm fine with this." Hmm. I just found a single origin chocolate selection from Trader Joe's on Amazon for twenty bucks, and you get like eight different origins of chocolate. Man, all seventy, well, sixty plus percent cocoa. I still want to go to Trader Joe's. We have one within 30 minutes of us, and I'm like, uh. I'm sure you can find a just as good selection at Jungle Gyms. True. Probably. Absolutely. Probably better. Um, I do want to say, so uh, not what I'm drinking, but it, just talking about some recipes on, on what you can get as far as chocolate out there. Um, if you wanted to go with a traditional Mexican chocolate uh, dish, it's almost like chai tea and with that there's a lot of spices and a lot of mm. different um oh, different additional things other than chocolate in it um i think the classic is that you've got some chili in there so some people put cayenne pepper you could put just a whole chili in your milk and let it steep there a little bit um cinnamon vanilla and then a good chocolate mixed in with your milk and so uh that that may be a, a good recipe avenue some of you all want to check out personally i think cinnamon should just be added to most things but, you know. uh, <laughs> so you know we, as we've been talking like i'm not a huge chocolate fan we go into territory we're more familiar with beer stones really you know they're they're now annual release of oh, so, choco vesa yeah the mexican yes. hot chocolate it's one of my it's one of those things that i do look forward to every year mm. true all right, well... Especially because uh, it's not something I have to go wait in line for. Yeah. Fair enough. It helps. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into um, what chocolate we've been tasting. Drink with me, friend. So I actually am drinking stuff. Um, <laughs> oh. Uh, we, we pick a time when you can finally drink to do a non-alcoholic episode. Yes, but... <laughs> Yes, and but the time when uh, she's she's <laughs> able to drink is a very narrow window. Like we've yeah. got a really is. We'd what? have to hit the timing perfect for her to be able to drink during an episode. Like drink, drink, yeah. Uh, but I did have um, a little sample of what Chris was drinking because I, I moved a little, you know, baby glass there. Um, um, so I'll let him talk about that. But I did want to say, like, I did try some of a beer. <laughs> it's chocolate related, <laughs> uh, but otherwise, I am drinking uh this hot cocoa kind of concoction that we made um it is so we he didn't drink really, cocoa yeah he didn't really pour, measure the milk but so i just listed everything two percent milk uh kroger's simple truth organic brand that, that's not important um but it's uh we just poured a bunch of that in a pot and put a few hershey's kisses in there uh and three packs of the starbucks brand salted caramel hot cocoa mix which is amazing. Um, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> salted caramel is probably like the next best flavor. Like if you get dark chocolate with salted caramel, done. You know. I wish I had a little salted caramel for some of my stuff. Uh, I had I had grand plans today. I was going to melt my own chocolate down, make it an actual hot chocolate. Mm. I had I had stuff in there. I got my timing wrong because I had never actually done it before. <laughs> so I was like, all right, we'll just wing it and we'll see what works. I had a backup plan for an emergency. Uh, <laughs> so I I was going to cut up a whole like big Hershey's bar 
mm. melt it down, pour it into the milk, and yeah, as I've already said, my <laughs> my milk got too hard. Oh. Uh, I mean, not my milk, but my chocolate got, got too, too hard. I, say, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so does the baby. It's, instead, I just uh, I I did everything I was going to do with the milk, and then just tossed some Swiss Miss into it. Uh, yeah. But I basically heated up some milk with some sugar, some regular sugar, some brown sugar. Just got that nice and warm. And then added, um, in some, added in some Swiss Miss and just went, all right, let's do this. Then we're kicking ourselves in the ass wishing we'd thought of that. Your brown sugar. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I was like in my apartment going, I got a whole lot of brown sugar around here. Yeah, screw it. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> came, out, came out pretty good. Uh, I did one thing, just, just regular that. And then uh, by the time the show came around, uh, I was like, you know what? Feel it's been a little, a little bit since I've had an actual drink that's not been Nyquil, <laughs> so so I poured a little bit of uh, Bailey's into it, and uh, I thought you were gonna say you poured some Nyquil into it, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that no. makes me want to die. Like, you make it like a York peppermint patty drink or something. <laughs> oh. No, he just made the night is dark and full of tussin. Like I'm just picturing like the cherry nigel and, and that stuff. It's disgusting. Yep, that's he just oh, made God. it. That's how you make it. Well, you killed me. <laughs> oh. Uh. Yeah, no. Uh, I yeah, I, you know, I'm wondering also if we could have tried. Um, we've got coconut sugar. That probably would have been good. It has like a toasty um smell and taste to it. Oh, it's it's really yeah. good. Mm. But yeah, that's that's all I had. Uh, how about you, Chris? I need to recover after that laugh. Well, uh. <laughs> As always, I like to try and skirt around actual styles. Yeah. And I'm drinking a beer. Uh, Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout from Brooklyn Brewing. This is a Russian Imperial Stout coming in at 10% ABV with 51 IBUs. It has a beer advocate score of 4.15 out of 5. So, highly regarded, according to Beer Advocate. Uh, the brewery's description is quite long. <laughs> This is the famous Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout. In the 18th century, Catherine the Great, Empress of Russia, ordered a stout to be sent from England. This beer was brewed strong and hoppy to survive the sea voyage and arrived in perfect condition. Soon, Russian Imperial Stout became the toast of Russian aristocracy. Brewed since 1994, our Black Chocolate Stout has itself become a modern classic heralded uh, the world over. It achieves its dark chocolate aroma and flavor through the artful blending of six malts and three distinct mashes. Properly kept, it will improve in the bottle for many years. This stout is the is the toast of the winter season in many countries, and there is nothing better to enjoy with chocolate dessert, cheesecake, ice cream, fine cheeses, and roaring fireplaces. Yeah, I give, fine cheese. Giving this beer's higher ABV and sturdy character, we think it's a prime candidate for cellaring. Find a cool, dry spot uh, away from light sources and see how it changes in the years to come. You never quite know what will happen when you age a beer. Perhaps the body will smooth out. Notes of vanilla, oak. Yeah, we all know what happens with aging stuff and when you do it improperly. So uh, the Black Chocolate Stout from Brooklyn. I really enjoyed it. I did not get a whole lot of chocolate. Uh, they do not provide a malt bill anywhere that I could find. I'm sure if I just actually went to their website and dug around, I could find it to know how much chocolate is in it, if any at all. But it is a nice, big, malty Russian Imperial Stout. 
And it, I mean, it is smooth, and it does give the character of dark, bitter chocolate. And I, while I was having it, I was wishing for something to add just that that the tiniest hint of salt to it, and it would have been amazing. That that is exactly what it needs. Something to provide that saltiness. I don't know what could have done it, but just a hint of it. Something it, with. Yeah, that's the one. So I had a little bit of it. It was really good, but yeah, it was. It was almost like it was just. It was just there, like it was. It was definitely needing something else. Yeah, interesting. I liked it. Great. Uh, if you could find one, definitely get it and let it warm up to uh, not quite room temperature, but uh, you'd want to get it closer, closer to room temperature than taking it straight out of the fridge and cracking it open. Mm-hmm. Cold, uh, not so great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, on my side, I went fairly simple. Um, milk heated in a pan, um, added in some sweetened condensed milk to mm. just reinforce the sweetness aspect of it. Came um, a hair of buying some of that. Oh yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the season for indulgence, right? Um, <laughs> uh, also, no, no, we, we, the Martin Luther's tried to stop that. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> not indulgence. It's just indulgence. Um, the, uh, the milk that I used was unfortunately skim. It's what yeah. we had around the house. I know it's a blasphemy. Well, but, I mean, at least you had the sweet and condensed stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I had a little cream as well, whipping cream. Okay. So I added a little bit of that back in a tablespoon or two in the cup to make it, you know, a, a true fat content. Um, so if you use whole milk, you probably don't have to use that. I got a couple different chocolates from the grocery store, which apparently took this week. They decided to ramp ramp up the price and make you think that you got a deal. Mm-hmm. So it used to be two bags of the stuff for six bucks. Now it's two bags for seven, and they've got it marked like it's on sale for that. Yeah, because <laughs> it's Christmas time. It's exactly. The season of paying. Yeah. Yep. So it one's a sixty percent uh, Ghirardelli uh, mm-hmm. baking chocolate uh morsels or whatever and the other one is a semi-sweet ghirardelli so both of those combine them however you like if you like a little bit more chocolatey beverage go with the the full 60 percent and don't even use the semi-sweets um i like that side actually a little bit better did you try Uh, raising hell so you could get the price back down to normal at least i'd have been like so you have this mark like it's a deal but it's actually you're charging more well i mean at this point i may be from here on out, I may just be buying single origins, non oh, yeah. uh, Ivory Coast <laughs> yeah. chocolate. So yeah, so like pricing is not going to be. Can now get, that I've learned this, uh, I'll just be eating less of it and, and better stuff. Uh, but uh, but just mix that together um, for a little added sweetness. If you want to, honey was good. Um, it added a little bit extra sweetness in there without the pure sugar. Um, then there was one more thing. Oh, so. Uh, since we are a drinking show, I did want to make it a little bit alcoholic. So I, I kind of combined the traditional Mai Tai route with <laughs> chocolate. So I added a shot of rum and a, a little splash of um, almond liqueur. I like uh, that this is, case, like this is Casey's simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's just a hot cocoa with some rum and liqueur. So, I mean, like, it's just a, a little bit. It's not like a, a slaved over stuff. This whole thing is done in like three minutes if you got hot milk. Yeah. So. Saying, so that's the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick, actually, because just randomly thought of that. 
There are those like monsters in the world who drink hot cocoa with water. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, Look. note how all of us mentioned hot milk. <laughs> I did it. I, I've done it in the past for emergencies. <laughs> for a hot chocolate emergency. <laughs> like I was out at a ball game or something, and I could like in the middle of winter, like ah. a football game. I was like, I can go get a hot chocolate. And I was like, okay, it's warm. Right, right. It's all if that matters. Use, if you use water. I do not approve of your alternative lifestyle. <laughs> but, like, and the the only so like the only time I've had to do it is like so at work we have a, a Keurig, and so of mm-hmm. course if you have like the hot cocoa pods like the K cups or whatever, um, no, you, you pour you milk have... into the tank of the Keurig and, and... destroy the Keurig, <laughs> <laughs> but you get a correct hot chocolate. Fair enough. Yeah. They... <laughs> They've got some of these new devices that you can have hot milk with it on the side, right? The Keurig things. Um, I think like was it Nespresso Those or somebody like, has yeah, one? Yeah, Nestle has uh, the machines that okay. do that. There's Keurig's all just buckling down. They're like, no, we're gonna try and put codes on the cups so that you can't use anything besides our specific cups. And what? Yeah, if you buy, yeah. if you have the 2.0 or above uh, Keurig machines. They'll only brew the Keurig branded cups because they have a little like QR code on the cap. Oh my goodness! And, and I'm sure the old ones are probably about to break down in the next next few years. Oh, they've got a one year life on they, them. Period. They, yeah, they don't take. They long have to a one year life. Yeah, we have one that's almost five years old. Oh my goodness! Y'all are the lucky ones. I and, um, and they're so like, we they're have, the worst things ever. But like for our we schedules, use the, the it is what it is. My Keurig pod, so it's just a little plastic pod that we keep refilling with our own ground coffee. Yeah, yeah, it's a little less wasteful. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, I think that I think does that, it for the show. I think it is. That was a very tasty episode, I have to say. <laughs> and interesting, like I had no idea about some of this stuff. My hot chocolate is cold now. The, the bad thing about this is usually after a show, I'm ready to go to bed. Now you're all amped up. I'm amped up now, yeah. Which is I good, because we've got to do rough. some New Year's Eve planning. That's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. Table what? Or... <laughs> but uh, I do oh, have to good. say, uh, because it has been pushed into me, I, I have not said cacao how I say cacao. cacao because cacao. I say cacao! <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. Don't forget you can ask a question, uh, tell us your favorite drink, or just leave some general feedback. And you can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also reserve your spots for Drinktacular. Uh, and you can also use the feedback page on the website where many shirts are now found. Yes. Uh, all joking and fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly, unless it's hot cocoa. Then you can overindulge a little. It's Christmas. It's no, no, I'm at a hard limit. We're like, no, too much. You can drink hot cocoa me. and drive. That That's fine. That's where you get the diabetes. <laughs> that's true. It's always a drawback. Um, yeah. All right, well, you can check us out again next Saturday for our uh, next live episode. And remember to check out, of course, patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And, of course, our new store, uh, haveadrinkstore.com. So, uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I am Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>